Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. And welcome back to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I am super excited to be here today, especially with a longtime friend of mine, Cindy Sell. I have known Cindy since our children were all just really, really little. So it's, an, it's just a special treat to have Cindy on the program today. Like I mentioned on the intro, she's got quite a story for us. Um, she has a large family, a family band, and but today we're specifically talking about their family's fight with COVID last year and all the many ways she had to think outside the box um, in helping not only her whole family, but especially her husband, who was very ill in the hospital. So welcome to the program, Cindy. Thank you so much, Abby. I appreciate it. And uh, it's such a privilege to be able to share this story, a victory, um, a love story, a story of perseverance mm -hmm. and fighting um, for the love of my life. Um, this time last year, starting around uh, the end of August, beginning of September, my daughters and I took our annual mother-daughter adventure. They turned 21 last year, and so they wanted to do something rather um, extravagant. We went out to Glacier National Park and Yellowstone National Park, and we were gone for 10 days. Um, enjoying mother-daughter time and, and God's creation and just uh, speaking life into each other. And while we were gone, um, my husband and our four sons, um, they were uh, had a list of projects that they were going to do while we were gone. And, and uh, while we were gone, um, each one of them got sick and it started with our second born, Joshua. He was sick for about five days and then just kind of one by one by one, um, they all started getting sick. And of course, my mother's heart was just breaking because we weren't home. Um, but they were holding down the fort and taking care of each other. And um, my husband got sick as well. And we did not have COVID in our radar. Um, there was no loss of smell or taste. Um, there were headaches and there were um, fevers, but um, they never lost their appetite. Again, nothing in our mind um, indicated that this was COVID. Wow. And so um, we uh, got home as soon as we could. Um, they took care of each other, like I said, they rested, they hydrated, um, and when we arrived home, my husband looked puny, um, he looked 
like he had been sick, but he didn't look like he was still sick. And so we said, you know, our welcome homes and, and everything. And I, of course, said, why don't you go upstairs and lay down and rest? You need a good night's rest. And the next morning, um, he woke up and he said he was having trouble breathing but there again was no wheezing. There was no cough. It was just kind of a tightness in his chest. And um, so, you know, we uh, use essential oils. And um, so I gave him some oregano oil and a capsule. Um, we put peppermint oil and Raven on his chest. And again, there was no fever. The fever had passed. Um, and so by the afternoon, um, I asked him if he wanted me to take him to the ER because this was a Sunday and he said no. And so I listened and again, continued down the path of hydrating him and, and taking care of him that way. And then by the evening, um, our children had gathered, uh, we had prayed, and we had prayed over him, and he complained that his heart was pounding inside of his chest, um, heart palpitations. The thing that I still look back and think about is his color was normal. He wasn't ashen. He didn't look like he was low on oxygen. Of course, at that time, we didn't have a, a pulse oximeter. Um, we didn't have all of the things that we now have in our home. Right. Um, and so we, uh, he and I left and I took him to the ER. And even the nurse, um, his vital signs indicated that, um, he was in uh, hypoxia, I think is what they call it, dis, dispen, um, but there are medical terms anyway. Um, but again, she thought that there was something wrong with her machine and because his color looked so good, but his respiratory rate was 44, his heart rate was 125, his blood pressure was normal, but his oxygen level was 66. Mm. And yes, mm. um, and so they immediately took him and found him a bed in the ER. The ER doctor came in, um, ordered a steroid shot and a COVID test and a chest X-ray. And um, they took the chest X-ray and did the COVID test and said it would be about 30 minutes for results. and. Um, that ended up uh, not happening. Um, the chest X-ray result came in, and the doctor, ER doctor, said there's um, pneumonia in both lungs. Uh, most likely, this is COVID pneumonia. I had never heard of COVID pneumonia, but in my mind, pneumonia is pneumonia is pneumonia, and right. we know how to treat pneumonia. So um, I asked the nurse about the results, and. She said, the lab um, is backed up 
why don't you go home, get a good night's rest and come back in the morning and we'll have the results. No one told me about the hospital protocol of separation. Um, and anything that I had read or heard about was like a five day or 14 day, but nobody told me. So in faith, I left the hospital and left my husband there, probably the hardest memory um, because I didn't know what we were facing. Right. right. And so went home, got a good night's rest, packed a bag for him because one of the things the ER doctor said was, you're going to be here most likely several days. Mm -hmm. um, and so I packed a bag, went up to the hospital, went in to the receptionist desk and gave them my husband's name. And she said, oh, he's COVID positive. You can't see him. Wow. And oh, your world I, must have come crashing down. It yes, it was. Um, it it struck me, but then again, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking five days. Yeah, you know. Um, and so it hurt, and I said, "Well, I have his bag," and she said, "I'll call the nurse." The nurse came out, and I said you know, this is my husband's bag. Um, and when will I be able to see him? And she said, oh, hospital protocol is you can see him after he is tested negative and they'll retest him in 21 days. 21 days. 21 days. Oh. Wow. So, yes. Um, I... Again, um, I'm a daughter of an 85-year-old registered nurse, and I lived with a mama that um, taught me that doctors don't walk on water and that um, our best medicine is our food. And so, again, I, at that moment, I thought, okay, they're going to take care of my husband they're going to first do no harm. They're yeah. going to get him better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I walked out the door and just prayed for the doctors and the nurses and my husband and just prayed for there would be some way that they would test him early and that I would be able to be with him. And again, at that time, the framework was he had double pneumonia and he was COVID positive. Um, so I really thought that he would survive, that they were going to heal him and help him. Um, and so I had never heard of remdesivir. Um, I had been familiar with hydroxychloroquine um, was not familiar with ivermectin or budesonide. And so um, went home, shared with the kids. Again, we gathered and we prayed. And immediately I started doing research um, and reached out to uh, some close friends because my husband is a very private person and we were facing something 
that was hard, but at that time, we didn't think that it was um, a, a, a fatal. Right, um, life-threatening. Life-threatening, that's yeah. the best word, yes, life-threatening. And so um, I uh, was able to text him the next day and he was taking pictures of his monitor. And so his oxygen level was getting better. His respiratory rate was getting better. His heart rate was getting better. Um, they had uh, fed him and they had had him on high flow oxygen. And again, it just seemed like, okay, you know, this is gonna be a difficult time, but we're progressing, you know, right. it, it, Right. It's making progress and, and things are getting better. So you're positive. When it comes to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. And then um, I have the hospital records. Um, when I last texted him was September 6th and the hospital records on September 7th is when they gave him his first dose of remdesivir. Mm. And yes. Um, and within a 24 hour period, um, he was on a BiPAP machine and um, it was looking as uh, serious. Um, he was going to be put in the ICU. They were looking for or waiting for a bed for him. And um, I was able to FaceTime him, but he was sedated. And I found out later that that is um, actually against protocol. When you put someone on a BiPAP machine, you're not supposed to sedate them. Um, and looking back over his hospital records, it's pretty hard. Um, they restrained him. He wanted to take the mask off. Um, so that's why they sedated him. Um, and on, September 10th um, was the first time that I spoke to a nurse that seemed to be open to giving him hydroxychloroquine. They said that they would contact the doctor and the doctor would check with the pharmacy and that they would get back with me. And on the evening, of September 10th, I got a phone call from that nurse and they said, I'm sorry, it goes against hospital protocol. It's not um, 
it's not approved by the FDA, um, CDC, all of the right. al alphabetical words that they throw at you. Um, and so uh, on September 11th, he was moved into the ICU and I spoke for the first time to the critical care doctor, Dr. Leslie Fitzgerald, and I requested ivermectin because I had been doing the research. Right. Um, I had had a few friends reach out to me, um, close friends that uh, were very concerned that um, my husband, Gwen, had received remdesivir, um, mm -hmm. that it would cause multi-organ failure. Um, and so at that time, on September 11th, for me and our journey, it really just, I hit, I hit my lowest point um, away, being away from him at, up until that point, up until that time, because what was around the corner, I had no idea. Um, so it felt so, so like, not able to help him so useless as far as being able to do anything for your husband yes and no one at the hospital was willing to listen or again uh evidence out there yeah. that hydroxychloroquine had been used and successfully and then um when i requested ivermectin um to the critical care doctor, Dr. Fitzgerald. Um, she just unloaded on me in her high and mighty way that I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know the side effects of ivermectin. I needed to get off the internet and stop Googling things. I was no medical doctor. And um, mm. so, yeah, it was, it was, it was brutal. Um, and so I uh, completely fell apart. Um, and the last thing I whispered to her is, please save my husband's life. And she said, that's what we're trying to do. So um, I called every day, but didn't speak to medical staff every day. It was very inconsistent. Um, so on the 12th, um, I didn't hear anything. On the 13th, I um, spoke again with Dr. Fitzgerald, and she brought up intubation. And I said, I don't think my husband wants to be intubated. And she said, does he have a living will? Um, and I said, no. And she said, then you wouldn't know that. Um, but this may be the only thing that saves his life and your husband needs to fight for his life. Um, and so that was on the 13th of September. I didn't hear anything on the 14th and um, I was able to face, uh, wouldn't say FaceTime, I was able to speak to him on a speakerphone, the nurse allowed me to do that on the 15th, um, the ICU nurse. And uh, so um, 
between the 15th and the 16th over the night shift, um, my husband coded, that's what I was told, that his heart stopped for five minutes and that they had to intubate him and put him on a ventilator. Um, so I woke up on the 16th to that news that he was on a ventilator that he was on fentanyl and propofol as the sedation medicine. Um, I requested if there could be any other um, medication because fentanyl is an opioid and propofol is um, a paralytic. And uh, just in my heart, there was just something wrong with that. But again, the way that I was spoken to and bullied, I, I was questioning everything. And um, that was when our family gathered together and we decided to um, put it out on social media of what we were facing as a family, um, that it didn't look good, um, that his that's were getting worse and worse um, every day. And uh, we, just, we just didn't know um, what we know now. And friends like you reached out and shared so many things. And um, again, I searched and searched and searched and uh, I found um, America's Frontline Doctors. Yes, they, it, it is an organization, um, but I sent many emails and I reached out to uh, places, resources, um, reached out to uh, Tennessee Stands. I reached out um, for a lawyer here in the Knoxville area. Um, I reached out to the health department of Tennessee um, and just needed answers, needed help, needed assistance, just was um, at a place of just complete um, hopelessness in the system. Yeah. <laughs> My hope is in God. <laughs> right. Um, but, but just one obstacle after another and, and just, it, the word that I continue to go back to it was brutal. It was, it yeah. was, yeah, it was incredibly ugly and, and sinister what I was discovering. Um, and so I finally was able to connect with uh, Compass Cellular Healing out of Brentwood, Tennessee, and set up a teleconference with Dr. Lee Howard. And the way that um, this organization, this doctor, his um, practice is that you do a teleconference with him and then they send you a COVID kit. And in that COVID kit, it's hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and budesonide and uh, Z-Pak and um, liquid glutathione that can be nebulized um, and a few other things. But those were the those were the key ingredients that I was looking right. for. 
And honestly, at the time when I set that up, I um, did it in preparation for our family because if I got sick or one of the kids got sick, it was like, okay, they're not going to give this to us if we go to the hospital. We need this arsenal, this weaponry to fight this virus or, you know, whatever is going on there. Um, so that was my purpose for doing the teleconference and, and um, getting that shipped to me. And so, um, again, daily uh, reaching out um, and inconsistent from the hospital staff uh, calling me. Um, some days I didn't hear anything and other days um, it was just kind of, well, they'll call you back and, oh, I'm sorry, I'm with another patient and just the inconsistency of it all. Um, and so then on September 21st, um, I had had the teleconference on the 20th and on September 21st, I received a phone call from the vascular surgeon um, that was calling to tell me that my husband had lost circulation in both of his feet and that if, if he survived COVID, that it would be a double amputation. Oh. And I said, I can't make that decision right now because I was misunderstanding. I was thinking that they were going to take him in and they were going to remove his feet so that, you know, to help the circulation. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I just was, and I said, I can't make that decision. And he was like, oh no, no, I'm not asking you for permission. I'm just letting you know that this is a strong possibility if your husband survives. In these troubling times, it's no secret that we are being censored. It's getting harder and harder to spread the truth. Facebook is throttling us, and we don't know how much longer we will be there. Here are a few things you can do to stay in touch with Deep Roots at Home. Firstly, sign up for our newsletter. Jackie sends out exclusive, important content to her readers. The link will be in the show notes. Number two, consider making Deep Roots at Home your homepage in your browser. Number three, print your favorite Deep Roots at Home articles and place them in a binder to have on hand in case of emergency. And finally, follow us on other social media channels. We are now on Telegram and Gab and soon Truth Social. Jackie's greatest desire is that God would be glorified through these dark times. I called the ICU and I made a request to talk to the critical care doctor, not knowing because they have two or three that work the ICU floor. And the only one that I had ever talked to was Dr. Fitzgerald and she wasn't my favorite. And so I just kind of, you know, um, but God had a plan and I see his hand in it because the doctor that called me back Dr. Muhammad Kabir, um, first time I had talked to him, called me back and was so kind and 
just gentle. I mean, it was just a different attitude. Um, and he asked me if I had talked to the vascular surgeon, did he under, did I understand my husband's condition and what we were facing? And, and I, you know, I said, yes, sir. And I said, um, would you be willing to give my husband ivermectin? And he hesitated and he said, oh, ivermectin. And immediately I heard the nurse practitioner in the background go, the pharmacy doesn't approve that. Mm. And he came back and he said, I'm sorry, we're not able to give your husband ivermectin. And I took a deep breath and I prayed a quick prayer. And I said, would you be willing to retest my husband? This was day 17 that we had been away from each other. And he said, oh, it's been 14 days. Yes, I'll order a retest. So wow. I'm, it, it's, I, we have a family saying the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. Yes. It, it was just, it was right there in front of me, but I, I rested in my father's arms and said, okay, this all happened, you know, right. the way that you wanted it to happen. Um, so I called the next morning immediately on the 22nd of September. So this was day 17, actually. And um, I called to talk to my husband's nurse, ICU nurse, to verify that the test had been ordered because there was just something. It's like, please let me know that right. this has been ordered or not, you know? And um, she said, yes, um, we've taken the test and the lab will have the results in two hours. So um, at 1030, I called back and I was told the lab was backed up to give them two more hours. And so at that time, the longest two hours of your life. <laughs> yes. Well, I busied myself by, I gathered, um, because the one thing that I knew I had immediate access to was his skin. Mm -hmm. And I, if he had lost circulation, I knew that I, I had clove oil, which is an anticoagulant. I had oregano oil. I had orange oil, which is vitamin C, because those were the two things I didn't mention. I did request budesonide and they told me that it would put the staff at risk. I did um, put the staff request, at risk. yes, because it's nebulized into the air and it'll get, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, oh. <laughs> yes. Um, it's gonna save my husband's life, but no, you know, anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> My husband did in our home when we were, I mean, our doctor gave us a prescription for him to know yes. in our home. So I do not yes. think putting the staff at risk. I, right. And I, yeah. again, it, it, all of these pat answers, all of these canned answers, that's kind of what I'm seeing looking back is they had a script. They, that's they knew how to, they knew how to respond. They, yeah. you know, and, and they knew how to bully and, yeah. Um, yeah, even even with you mentioned about the pharmacy not approving the ivermectin, 
we had a situation when my husband had COVID, we had a doctor that was willing and ready to right away prescribe ivermectin. And so we were able to get it at the pharmacy. But then when we, um, my husband needed a second round of it, I mean, we're talking right. about days later, yeah. see, uh, the pharmacy shut, had, had already shut it down. It was, it was like just within those few days, the pharmacy said they basically would get in trouble if they dispensed it. It exactly. was crazy. Yeah. <sighs> and um, so in that two hours I was waiting, mm -hmm. um, I packed up, um, I have a backpack purse. Um, it's, it wasn't strategic. It's just the purse that I carry. You know, when you have a lot of kids, you just kind of always have that big purse. <laughs> right. and so um, I filled my backpack purse with uh, my essential oils and um, I uh, took a little speaker, um, a little Bluetooth speaker um, because I wanted to Bluetooth uh, praise and worship music um, and just fill that room with God's presence and pray over him. And, and uh, just so I prepared myself for that. And then when I called, um, they said, yes, um, the results are back and he's negative. And yes, it was just, um, it, it was the most hope filled drive because I had missed him so much mm -hmm. and had been beat up a lot. Um, not only with the hospital staff and um, the cruel words that were said to me, but also just beating myself up because I didn't know what I knew then. I didn't, I didn't know. I would, we, I, we would have never gone to the emergency room. And yeah. that's, I know that's what a lot of people were saying. Don't go to the emergency room. But again, you, you, you think again, growing up with a mom who's a nurse um, that, you know, people are going to take care of each other. Um, but that wasn't the case. So um, as I was driving and as I was praying, um, I got out of the vehicle and um, I was walking um, into the hospital. And um, there's a lot of things that I learned about myself. And uh, I, I'm willing to say this um, because it's true and, and all of us that have been saved by grace need to know this about ourselves, but I, I learned that I could hurt people. I could really, I had that much hate in my heart um, for what those people had done to my husband. Um, and I was dealing with those emotions and praying, Lord, help me <laughs> because, um, that, yeah. Yeah. you know, of and so, um, I was walking and it was like, he was right beside me and he said, walk in love, walk in truth and walk in humility because everyone you come in contact with was made in my image. They are image bearers. And that really set my focus on treating everyone as I would want to be treated, even though 
we weren't treated the way that we would have liked to been treated, that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's like, I'm just, I'm just a foot soldier going in there and I'm going to love my husband and the results belong to the Lord. I mean, whatever happened, I had to know was going to be for his glory and our good. And, uh, so, so I'm going to stop you right there because that is a great place for us to take a break. Um, because you had, you know, your story is really just beginning because you had no idea what you were about to face when you walked into right. the hospital room and the battles that you still had to face with yes. your husband for your husband to save his life. So we're yes. going to actually end this podcast and uh, have a part two where you share um, where you share all that you went through once you actually were able to get behind those hospital walls and fight <laughs> your husband. So thank you, Cindy, for joining us. And we'll thank be you, back Abby. soon. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time.